Well, good morning. Welcome to Elgin Baptist Church for our morning service of worship. My prayer is that as we sing God's praises and as we open up our hearts to his word, he would minister to us at our every need. Let us hear the word of God as it is found in Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. O Lord, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Such words of comfort in these disturbing times. We're going to sing, first of all, Be Thou My Vision, followed by You're the Word of God the Father. Let's unite together in prayer. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we thank you that just as the psalmist has reminded us that you reign, we thank you that you are robed in majesty, Lord. We thank you that nothing can move or unsettle you. We thank you, O God, that your throne was established long ago and that you indeed are from all eternity. And as we come to you this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would enable us to draw near to you. We pray, Lord, that you, by the Holy Spirit, would draw near to us, that you would help us as we lift our voice in praise and in worship, as we open our minds and hearts and ears to your word. We pray, Father God, that, that you would make this a joyful and a blessed time. We thank you for all your goodness to us, Lord. And as we just commit our time to you now, we pray for your help. We ask, Lord, that we pray into the situation that continues to affect our, our country, our nation, indeed the world. We, we long, Lord, we long for an end to the whole COVID situation. And, and we know that you are more than able, Lord, and just to say a word and, and cause it to be gone. And again, we pray for those who are suffering uh, from the effects of it in whatever way, Lord. We, we pray that in these times of uncertainty, we, we might know what it is to call out to you. We thank you and we praise you and we commit our time to you now in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, boys and girls, I wonder if you know what these are. These are called binoculars and, and we use them to see things that are far away. So, so things that are far away, once we do that and, and we have a look about, they become much nearer 
to us. So, so if you were maybe going to, to go down to, to the beach or, or down to Rose Isle and, and look out into the, the sea, you could maybe see a, a ship or a little boat or something away. It looks way, way far out. But when you put these up to you and, and look about, it becomes so much nearer. They can be so good thing, good things to look through. You, you can be far away, but you can still see something very close up. You know, as I thought in that, that reminded me of how closely do we look at the Bible? Sometimes we just read the Bible because, well, it's the Bible, so we better do it. Or we, we, we never stop sometimes to read a verse so that we can find out what it really means or why God wrote it. The Bible is full of all kinds of instructions and examples of how we are to live our lives. The stories, for instance, in, in the Old Testament, they're, 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 just, they're not just there to teach us a history lesson. They're there to help us to find out how to live with each other, how to obey God in all kinds of different situations. The New Testament is an amazing place to find so many of God's promises and the message of the gospel is the best news in the whole wide world. See, with all of these amazing chapters in the Bible, just think what we can learn if we, like the binoculars, looked just a little bit closer into God's Word. If we just spend a little more time reading and studying. See, if we just kind of skim through the Bible, we won't learn what God is trying to teach us. But if we take time to look deeply and closely into God's Word, then we will grow and grow and become more and more like Jesus. So remember, remember the binoculars. And remember to take a much closer look at God's word, the Bible. I'm going to sing you a little song now and it reminds us to dig a little deeper in God's love. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And we pray that whatever age we might be, that you would encourage us, encourage us to dig deep, not just into your love, but into your word. We thank you for it, and we pray that you'll help us in this coming week to read it, to learn it, to love it, and above all, to live it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, I'm going to read... Uh, the first 12 verses and we remind ourselves that this is the word of God concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him we ask you brothers not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. 
He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendour of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So reads God's precious word. We pray his blessing not just upon the reading of it, but our understanding of it as we turn to it shortly. Before we do that, let us sing another hymn that reminds us that the Lord is my salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we come now to your word and we would bow in your presence. We ask, Lord, that your word would be our rule, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that your glory would be our supreme concern. And we pray it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. As we look at the verses that are before us this morning, there is amongst the, the, the commentators a general consent that they are among the most obscure in all of Paul's letters. And part of that, part of the reason for that lies in what we read there in verses 5 and 6. When Paul says to them, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And then he says, and now you know what is holding him back. So evidently, from these verses, what we see is that Paul has been teaching uh, the, 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 the young believers in Thessalonia regarding these issues, particularly pertaining to the return of the Lord. And he feels no need to repeat everything that he has taught them here in this second letter, which actually leaves us, his later readers, a little bit in the dark regarding certain aspects of what he told them, for we weren't there, and what they already knew. So at the outset, friends, we have to acknowledge that there is a certain amount of background knowledge that we don't know about. I was heartened by a comment on these verses by the early church father Augustine or Augustine who said who said this the plain fact is that Paul and his readers knew what he was talking about and we do not we have not the means at our disposal to recover 
this part of his meaning. It is best that we frankly acknowledge our ignorance. However, there is enough that we do know. And I trust and I pray by the help of the Holy Spirit this morning, uh, we, we will be encouraged as we come to these verses just now. The first thing to notice is that from verses 1 to 3, we read of a reassuring. A reassuring. Over the last uh, few years, the term fake news has found its way into our vocabulary. But more so, sadly, into our everyday life. What is fake news? Well, one person has described it as basically untrue information presented as news and the more someone says it, then it must be true. In the social media madness world in which we now live, if it is on Facebook or Twitter or one of the other platforms, then that's it. It must be true. Well, you see, fake news is not anything new. Because that is what is happening here in Thessalonica way back in AD 52. Somebody, somehow, was spreading fake news. They were spreading the lie, they were teaching the lie, that actually the day of the Lord has already come. And such news was bringing to these new believers alarm. It was causing them to be afraid. It was causing them to be unsettled. And Paul says in verse 3, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. And he goes on to tell them why. And he tells them that before this day of the Lord comes, there are certain things that need to happen. And, and, and we will look at that in our next point. But, but, but for, for the moment, here is a congregation who have become unsettled. Here is a group of believers who are alarmed. And this time, it is not coming from, as it were, outside of the church. It's not coming from those who were persecuting them. No, it was coming from inside. It was coming from false teaching. And it seems that Paul doesn't know quite how it came about. Perhaps via a word of prophecy. Obviously false prophecy. Perhaps it was a report. It was even a letter supposed to have come from Paul himself. An interesting thing here is that Paul doesn't get caught up in the how it came about, but rather what it wrongly taught. And he assures them, he reassures them, that whatever and whoever is saying this, whoever is teaching this, is wrong. What they are saying is fake news. What they are saying is lies. What they are doing is twisting scripture. This is alien to what Paul had taught them. And, and actually, they should remember that. And sadly, this still exists today. 
some purported new word from the Lord, some report, some letter, or, or more likely today, some blog that says this or that. And it can cause alarm to the child of God. It can be unsettling. How do you respond? Well, we need to know what God's word says. Paul had told them all about this before. They just needed to believe and not to be thrown off guard by what was no more than fake news. It is why, brothers and sisters, Bible study is so important. It is why I, I really do encourage you all, every one of you, to get involved in a growth group. For the only way that you will recognise fake news, the only way that you will, will recognise false teaching, is when you know the real deal. When you know the real truth that is revealed in the word of God. You see, our reassurance comes from the word of God. That that is why, as Hebrews says, Hebrews 2 says, we are to pay attention to what you hear so that you don't drift, so that you don't become unsettled, so that you don't become alarmed, so that you are not tossed about by, by this, this bit of teaching or that bit of teaching. Look closely into the word of God get your binoculars your spiritual binoculars on and look closely at God's word then in verses 3 to 10 which really is the heart of the whole letter Paul outlines something of the events that need to happen prior to the day of the Lord prior to the perusal prior to the return of Jesus which will usher in the end of time as we know it. So he is writing to them and says, if it hasn't yet happened and it hasn't, then this is what will happen prior to it. So he has been reassuring them. So secondly, let us look of rebelling. As I said earlier, it's so important that we stick with what Paul does say. And he gives to us two clear happenings. He speaks of the rebellion that occurs. And he speaks of the, the man of lawlessness. And, and, and in some ways this is where the, the slight problems begin. Because according to verse 5, as I've already said, he takes for granted that they know what he means. Otherwise, he, he would take time to explain it to them and it would certainly make it much easier for us. However, he does tell us something of what this rebellion and what this man of lawlessness will do. We'll look at it carefully. Verse 4. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or worship. He will set himself up in God's temple. Indeed, proclaim to be God. He, he further tells us in, in verse 7 that, that this power is already at work. Then in Paul's time and today in our time. 
And in verse 9, he tells them it is the work of Satan. He says that all kinds of counterfeit miracles and signs and, and, and wonders will be performed. But what is going on? Well, as the day of Jesus approaches, so will the activity of the evil one. And two of the most rebellious acts will be one against the law, hence the, the man of lawlessness, that is the open defiance and disregard for law and order, and also rebellion against God himself. The, the attempt, albeit futile, to unseat God. Do these things Two things not seem to be in evidence today as you look out into the world. Who is this man of lawlessness? Well, interestingly, Paul doesn't say very much and says, he, indeed, he says nothing at all about his identity, but he does say quite a bit about his activity. And from what he does say, it seems to me that Paul has in mind that the same figure whom John speaks of in, in, in 1 John 2 verse 18 as the Antichrist and who in Revelation 13 is referred to as the beast. And over the years, many, many people have went to great lengths to try and identify who this may be. But stick to the text because Paul is not concerned by that. What he does do is lay out a clear sequence of events that will precede, precede this day of the Lord. And he says, first there will be rebelling. And, and we see that, do we not, continually happening and indeed growing. And then there will be the appearance of this man of lawlessness. I, I have no idea, no idea as to who he may be. And Paul doesn't tell us, so let's not speculate. But rather, see what he does tell us. Because for all of his lawlessness, for all of his deceiving... For all of his seeking to usurp God, remember this, brothers and sisters, concerning whoever he is. One, at the end of verse three, he is doomed to destruction. Two, Jesus on his return, and that bit is important and we'll pick it up again in a minute, but Jesus on his return will overthrow him, which will lead to his destruction. And three, his power is limited in that according to verse seven, there is one who holds it back. So these three reasons all point us to one thing regarding this rebelling, regarding this man of lawlessness. And here it is, friends, quite simply, but truly wonderfully, Jesus wins.
the outcome of the struggle between Christ and the Antichrist is sure and is certain and is beyond any doubt. Jesus wins. Jesus triumphs. And as believers, we are on the winning side. It's, it's great to be on the, the winning side. This past week saw Scotland for the first time in 23 years qualifying for, for a major tournament. And, 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 and the, the, the sheer joy and, and exuberance and celebrations over, over a win due to a penalty shootout. But nonetheless, a win all the same. Brothers and sisters, we are on the true winning side. What a reason that is to rejoice. But back to our first point. There is reassurance for you. Don't get all caught up with secondary issues. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow the lawlessness and the deception to unnerve you or to cause you to fear. Know that these things will, these things must happen. Jesus has made it clear. And in his teaching, Paul makes it clear here. Rather, as the hymn says, turn your eyes to the heavens, for the king will return for his own. He is coming, and he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. And what a sight it will be. Verse 8 speaks of the splendor of his coming. Nothing silent, nothing secret. We've already seen of how the trumpet will sound. He is coming. Our interest and our eyes are to be on Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Paul, as he always does, keeps his primary focus here in these verses on Jesus. Let me just touch a little bit on something I said earlier regarding the sequence that Paul points to here. I am aware, well aware of all the, the, the various uh, interpretations regarding this great event. But it is important that we stick with what Paul does tell us here. And he clearly states, firstly there will be rebellion, and then the appearance of the man of lawlessness, then the return of Jesus, and the gathering up of believers to be with him. And what that shows us, friends, is that lawlessness and persecution and troubles and trials and tribulation will be part and parcel of the Christian life until Jesus comes or Jesus calls. And Paul, I would argue politely, tells us that the day of the Lord will not occur until after the revealing of the Antichrist, after the man of lawlessness. And in both First and Second Thessalonians, Paul links the catching up of the saints, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, and the, the, the gathering of the saints, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1. He links them both as closely as possible to the day of the Lord. You see, knowing that even as Christians, we will go through persecutions and trials and tribulations, we hold fast to the great truth that Jesus wins. Writing in Titus 2 verse 13, Paul speaks of 
our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? Well, it's not that we escape persecution, but rather we wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the one who gave himself for us in order to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. That's our blessed hope. You may have many questions. You may even disagree with, with my view, but, and this is what really matters, lawlessness and the Antichrist will be defeated by King Jesus, our living, ruling, returning Saviour. And amid all the uncertainty of the world today, take comfort that as a Christian, you are on the winning side. So do not be unsettled. Do not be alarmed. For Jesus is the victor. Jesus is victorious. Jesus will overthrow the lawless one with the breath of his mouth. And notice what Paul says, the splendour of his coming. And as we saw from 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17, whether you have fallen asleep, died, or whether you're awake, when he comes, we will be caught up together in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with Jesus forever. Therefore, encourage, encourage one another with these words. What a hope. What a blessed hope. What a glorious hope. One final thought from the end of verse 10 and into verse 11 where we read of perishing. Again, in these verses, Paul addresses the issue of those who, as we were thinking on last week, do not obey the gospel. The second half of verse 10. It's another one of these very hard-hitting verses. They perish because they refused to love the truth and be saved. Just as the man of lawlessness is doomed to destruction, so also are those who follow him. And as we saw last week, destruction does not mean annihilation. Paul says here, those who refused to love the truth and be saved will perish. That is, when they were presented with the truth, when the gospel was spoken to them, when the gospel has been shared with them, they willingly and they intentionally refused to believe. And for all who do that, their eternal outcome is a sure, a certain, and a sad and as awful as that of the man of lawlessness, the one whom they follow, 
the one who has deceived it may have believed the lie, may have believed the fake news as opposed to the truth. Friends, these are heavy matters. These are matters not just of life and death, but these are matters of eternity, heaven or hell. Choose this day whom you will believe. Choose this day whom you will follow. Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth and the life, the one in whom there is salvation, the forgiveness of sins, or the man of lawlessness who lies, who deceives, and who ultimately is doomed to destruction. It's important to see that verse 11 is not the cause for their perishing, but rather the consequence of it. Note the order. Because they refuse, God sends. And in their continual refusal, they believe the lie and the fake news as opposed to the truth of the gospel. As I said, the great truth to come out of these verses is that Jesus wins. Indeed, he has already won. However, although the war is won, the battle rages on until that day when King Jesus either comes or calls. I was struck uh, this week by the statement of Professor Jonathan Van Tam, who is England's Deputy Chief Medical Officer. He said this regarding the vaccine uh, for COVID. I have told my mum to make sure when you are called, you are ready. Friends, Jesus is calling. Friends, Jesus is coming. The question is, are you ready? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you secured the victory over sin and death and the grave upon the cross. Thank you that for all who trust in you, there is life now in all its fullness. And it has not even entered into the mind of man, but awaits those who love God. May each one of us know what it is to ensure that we are ready, should you come or should you call. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's conclude this morning uh, by joining in the hymn, Christ Our Hope in Life and in Death. And now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests 
to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. So shall it be. Amen. Well, thank you once again for tuning in to our service this morning. If you would like to know anything more about the things that we've discussed uh, this morning, then please do get in touch with us. Details will appear on the screen. But uh, I trust that you have uh, a good week and may God continue to bless and watch over.